Hi everyone, I'm Ben Tapper, and this is Invisible Truths. This is a podcast for anyone who carries burdens that feel too heavy to bear, questions too vulnerable to openly discuss, or pain that you're certain no one else will understand. Even more than that, though, this is a space to acknowledge and explore the invisible truths within each of us. If you're still interested, let's get started. Welcome to episode six of Invisible Truths. This week, we are continuing part two of my interview with Mark Cordon. We are jumping in talking about relationships and we'll conclude discussing what it means to be approaching a crossroad and not know how to proceed. Just like last week, there's a lot of great stuff and a lot of wisdom bombs that Mark drops. So I hope you're ready and I hope you get a lot out of this interview. I know that I did. So let's jump in. The vulnerability in talking about you know what it means to have a, um, a, a somewhat or mostly public relationship, right? And then how you try to model that um, authenticity, I think, I think is powerful. And I would actually, and maybe I am just odd in this, but I'd push back a little and say that that might actually be what makes you two hashtag couple goals, right? I mean, we can get the Instagram couples anywhere, um, but when you can kind of see or at least pick up on the rough patches for some people, the conflict and, and see that it, it's getting worked through or at least see how, I think that's where the power comes in, right? Because then you're going to be able to uh, help others talk through and think through what it means to be in a sustainable relationship or even what it means to like healthily end a relationship or yeah. pause a relationship, right? Yeah. And uh, I mean, like there's definitely these, these conversations, these invisible truth conversations that we have with each other where we can see something in the other person um, that sometimes they can't see. Right. And so, um, you know, how do, how do we, it's not calling it out, but how do we have that kind of conversation without the other person completely feeling exposed and, and weird. And I, and I know, um, one of the things that both of us talk about is, Hey, from a business perspective, we are complete powerhouses when we come together and yet we're not quote unquote staying for together for the kids. We're not going to, to play happy couple um, in front of, um, you know, the, the clients, the joy revolution, whatever, um, man, there's a lot of pain. There's, I mean, still in my forties, like I can get jealous sometimes and it's my own shit. It's my own shit. And I have a partner that's completely like into me and I, it's still my own shit. So like, you know, it, it's not necessarily about like, Hey guys, we had, uh, in, 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 we had incredible sex this week and we also enjoyed cereal in a fight, you know, um, <laughs> it, that's not it. It's just more so like, okay, are you ready? Are you showed up? Are you showing up? Like, what do you need from me? What, what can I do for you? You know, and it's, it's in, a, in a very simple way, like just creating a win-win situation where both people benefit from the presence of another person. And so if you can expand that out to having a larger joy capacity um, to do that with ostensibly a client who also knows he is my teacher, you know, like if you can do that, that is the ultimate form of like 
experience and winning and changing and developing and being okay with not knowing. Um, probably 10 years ago, if, if I came into a podcast and said, I don't know, like, I don't know if that I would recognize myself because I needed to show up as Mark Cordone, uh, MPH, PhD, CPC, all that crap that you, you talked about at the beginning. But the, the part in the middle where the electron disappears, that's a human experience that is on no, we don't put it on our resumes, but we know every human goes through it. We know that every human has to go through that point where they're walking up the mountain and they have to let go of somebody else's hand because they have to keep going and someone can't make it any further. And it's not a, um, it's not a, um, it's not a schism. It's just an invisible truth that you still vocationally have to go and pursue what you have to pursue and know you have further to go. And this person is cool with where they're at. And so to be okay with uh, letting some of that go and detaching from that, again, is a fun game. It's not an easy one, but it is a fun game. And I'm much appreciative when people make space for me to explore that now. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah, man, this is so much good stuff. Um, it's probably gonna have to be a two-part interview just because <laughs> the, you're just dropping so much knowledge, man. I, I love it. Um, and as I, as I think about, you know, my own relationship being married to Brooke, um, you know, I, one of my desires is to kind of get even more transparent about the, the, the hard times for us, um, so that other people can learn, but also just, um, it, it would satisfy my desire to feel more authentic, right. To not feel like a a fake that's only putting out the good Mm -hmm. stuff, you know, cause there are hard times. Um, and, and just to be really real. One of my fears, I think, um, is that people only see the awesome parts of me sometimes, right? And that if they saw the, the times I mess up, the, the things I, I really think, that they wouldn't like me as much, right? Um, and so that's something that I just have named this week and I'm, I'm going to continue to hold um, and see how it manifests. Um, but in, in that vein, I also know that when I don't feel confident, when I don't feel secure, I will withdraw. I won't bring my whole self into a situation. I I do this in in my marriage all the time. Um, I do it at work. I do it in social, like I do it everywhere. Right. And I'm just now seeing that I do it. Um, And so I'm trying, I literally have to stop when I notice it and and invite myself into the room that I'm in. (laughs) Otherwise I won't fully show up. And so I'm wondering, have you experienced something like that? And, And if so, what do you do to, to, to name it and then to remedy it when it's happening for you? Yes. <laughs> That's the answer. <laughs> um, and uh, every, I've done everything to, or not, I, I don't want to say everything, but I've, I've tried a lot of modalities, um, therapy, coaching um, uh, would, would be some of the top ones. Um, uh, writing, um, songwriting uh, did come into it. Um, and also at the same time being uh, being very honest with myself that damn it, sometimes I become that performance monkey and um, I, I'm playing the violin for people and it's easier for me to attach to total strangers on the golden mic show than it is for me to say hello to the woman who loves me and on a daily basis is um, is there for me. And I think that um, especially in a culture in which it's extremely easy for us to delete, edit, superimpose, 
Photoshop, whatever you want to do, um, a perfect life. Um, and then also in a culture in which you have Brene Brown's, which I think not to, I, I'm not coming at Brene Brown, but like in a culture where she's urging us to be more vulnerable, but where vulnerability is now faked, we have to really take a deep dive at what is an invisible truth because Someone can easily put out a, I'm just like you post. I cried on the floor. Would you like to join my $500 per hour program because I'm just like you? That's bullshit. It's as much bullshit as it is being perfect. And so being flawed is like punk rock. And so not to be super cool with like, hey, I'm going to pick a fight with Melanie tonight so I can go and post that on Facebook tonight and make a couple bucks. And I'm not saying that I do that, but also at the same time, do I? And that's yeah. my invisible truth that I have to face in this very moment. I don't think that I do because I don't, you don't like, you don't want to fight with an alpha. Right. <laughs> alpha, she's a pit bull. But also at the same time, like, what does it mean to be you know, out there. And also at the same time as a people pleaser, this is, uh, you know, this is kind of a soft underbelly of people pleasing is, is that you're kind of used to having your heart open. And sometimes people will reach in and, and stomp on it and you, you numb it. And like, I, I don't know what that looks like. That's, that's like expert level right now for me. But what I do know is that it is, um, it is really easy to and mask things. I also know this, you know, in coming from a, a point where I'm, I said I was super Catholic to anti-Catholic to recovering Catholic to whatever the hell I am now, dude in that book, Jesus went and said um, something along the lines of don't share your pearls with the swine, which does mean that like, I'm not looking down on people who are coming on to my show. But when you've done like something like 200 shows, you need to be careful about what you share with whom and protect the pearls that you share with Melanie, right? Um, and again, also the, the next invisible truth is I need to make sure that I'm, I'm having these conversations with Melanie and not deflecting um, maybe a conflict that I have with her on you and being the super awesome guy um, in this podcast. I need to make sure that when she comes back from vacation, it's something that we continue to talk about. Um, yeah. Yeah, man, that that's absolutely correct. I think there's, um, you know, just the, the importance of, of wisdom, you know, in, in sharing, um, knowing not only what to share and when to share it, but there are legitimate times where you have to protect yourself, right. Or protect your relationship. And so having the wisdom to understand, and, and in my experience, that only comes with time. Like I, as shy and insecure as I can be sometimes, the other part of me has an ego to match that. Like <laughs> it is, it, it, it's strong with this one. Um, and so, <laughs> right, right, exactly, exactly. You know, and so I can walk around thinking I am one of the wisest people I know. Um, until my wisdom falls short and I realize, oh shit, that was a, a false step. That was a mistake. Like, and, and then I, I learned from experience, right? Um, and only then do I know what I didn't know before. And so I say all that to say, I think 
wisdom has to temper even our radical self-awareness, right? So that we know who is worth creating that intimate space with. Um, and so that we're not just going out there and just sharing just for the sake of sharing. Because I think even for me, there are reasons why I want to share, right? Some yeah. that I, I would love and some that I'm not too proud of, right? I know that being vulnerable, for instance, is going to, um, people are going to like that, right? So they're going to think more highly of me when I am authentic, even if they don't reciprocate it, they're just going to yeah. intuitively like me more and trust me more, right? So then if I have an agenda, it's easier to accomplish that agenda. And so I don't usually do that intentionally, but I'm, I'm at least aware that it's a possibility, right? And so just trying to be aware of why we share what we share um, and, and, and why we're sharing it with the people that we're sharing it, I think is really important. Yeah, I, I absolutely agree with you. Like, um, that's when game can be, too, can be played too much, right? You have to temper the game with the fact that there's a human living consequential um, element to everything, right? Things have consequences. So if you, if you treat it as a, a full-on game, you're going to get stuck on a treadmill where it's constantly just pursuit for the sake of pursuit, right? Um, versus pursuit for the sake of um, unlocking an, an invisible truth, which may hurt, which may not, um, but may ultimately lead to you living on uh, higher consciousness, higher energy, higher data intake, whatever you want to call it, right? Um, level. I, I, I absolutely... Um, I absolutely agree with that. And, you know, also at the same time, like one is being aware in your invisible truth of when you're around people, circumstances, things, does your energy go up or does it go down? That's a really good litmus test that we sometimes ignore. The second part is in, in your deepest of choices, do you feel like, you're hiding and manipulating in some of the things that you're doing. And sometimes that's a pain in the ass to, to look in the mirror and feel. And so that's why I'm not going to sit here and um, say that I have a perfect relationship or that um, these, um, these folks who, uh, you know, in, that were in my class were playing one of these things were not like the other, just like I was, you know, um, and, and, and to blame and, and to play blame game. Nah, dude, that game put me in the, the position of being able to have this conversation with you. Right, right. Let's focus, Ooh, man, I've got some doozy questions lined up. <laughs> <laughs> Mind you, y'all, he sent me one question. <laughs> <laughs> oh, this is freestyle, y'all. Uh, <laughs> so as you, um, you know, obviously, joy has kind of captured you and yeah. and transformed i don't think it's an understatement from what i know of you to say it has transformed your life in some ways um and so i, I wonder if you can just speak to what joy means and maybe even start with defining joy what it is and what it isn't for you um mm -hmm. and then how does it come into play for you on a daily basis in your relationships and or in your vocation how are you utilizing it yeah i well i i think there's a there's a distinction between joy and happiness and for the majority of my life what i've been chasing is happiness which is this sort of um and people can argue about it people within the joy revolution argue about it but uh, you know just on a 
uh, if you open up psychology today, I, I, I go with the definition to help me navigate through things. Um, the happiness of things is, uh, can be looked at as the acquisition of something. I'm, I'm, I'm getting a need met. And so as that need is met, um, uh, there's a dopamine rush in my brain. I'm feeling a sudden sense of elevation and happiness that might result in, in uh, a peak performance. And then it goes back to a, a happiness level again, the baseline happiness level. And so focusing solely on happiness my whole life, the only way I could try to raise my happiness level is to speed up on this treadmill and to continue to um, win, absorb, um, and uh, take in these dopamine rushes. I don't know if that's how I want to live my entire life. And uh, there was a point in my, um, my studies that I, I read a book, The Regrets of the Dying, and cross-culturally, um, this nurse had studied um, multiple things that people were constantly saying at the end of their life. I wish I had spent more time with the people that I cared about. I wish that I had spent more time doing things that I love. I, I wish that I had I spent more time playing. I wish that I had spent um, more time allowing myself to feel happy and joyful. And so I asked myself, okay, I don't want to, I don't want to be one of these dudes in the book. How can I do that now? How can I, how can I check those things off my checklist now versus being at the end of my life with regret? And rather than a life of accumulation, which is kind of cool, there's also a life of being pretty cool with where you're at right now. And that's, to me, the difference between happiness and joy. Joy is more of the internal feeling of being cool. I'm cool with myself. I'm cool with where I'm going, right? Um, so you can feel happiness without joy. You can feel joy without happiness technically speaking, but I'd like both of those things to come together, joy and happiness. And for me, as someone who was in um, uh, social disruption, um, uh, someone who, who suddenly found himself being punk rock and wanting to go against every single collective and be this rugged individual, and then coming to another part of my life where I really respected the collective. And in order to respect the collective, the individual nature went away. And so I was like, how do I reconcile this all of a sudden? Well, you have a 40-year-old Asian who respects the collective with red hair, right? There's, there's, a, there's a certain reconciliation, there's a certain balance that comes with it, and happiness and joy seem to come together with that. It's almost like the creation of a third space. Like, I'm not Asian, I'm not American, I'm, a, I'm something else. I'm up higher. I'm even higher than that, and it 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 transcends that to tr to even try to name that. I'm not one or the other. I'm something above that, and that did take a certain amount of being cool with not existing in a status quo box, but also not being so content that I don't play the game because it's not fun anymore. <laughs> I'm just walking around the base of the mountain. So in terms of what joy meant to me at that point, 
I saw it bringing a lot of hope to people like me, the hopeless. People like me who thought that in order to accumulate, I needed to people please. And the idea of joy is holding that space for self to be self and being okay with that. Flaws and all, stinks and all, I bags under your eyes and all, right? And the cool thing is that just like anger and fear, joy is contagious. And so you can actually use joy as a leadership skill. Why not try that out for a change? And so that is, to me, that is what I was trying to do when I was at the early stages of my career, but I just didn't get it yet because I didn't have enough experience. I didn't find enough sages. I didn't find enough. Um, I just wasn't ready yet, you know? And, and, and so it, it came out early on as angry Asian American. It then came out as positive psychology man, right? Um, and then it came out to this sort of third space now, which is like, how do we mix all of that together and not let go of the angry part and, and not hold on to the angry part for an unhealthy reason, but understand why I was angry for some, um, for some of the reasons. I was angry because I wasn't status quo. That's a really cool reason to not be angry is to be like unique. And so in many ways, like folks will find their own process and come into a place of joy. And I just hope that the joy revolution can be a space where people can come into their own and be like, you know what? I'm not completely happy with the way the status quo is in the world. I am living in joy, which means that I can be cool with where I am now. And I can also be cool with the change that's going to happen in the future. And it seems paradoxical. It's also a perfect marriage. It's a perfect union, both a personal benefit to me. And I think it also can have a, um, a um, from an agency standpoint and a change standpoint, it can have an, uh, an effect for people starting business. It can have effect on people who are uh, growing into their own movements. And it's contagious. Why not have a blast creating social change than, rather than being angry the whole damn time. I'm not saying never be angry, but I'm saying that we can convert that anger into joy. We can convert that into other things, not just stay in, uh, in an angry place. Because if it stays in an angry place, we create a structure that's an angry structure. And everyone who comes through that structure and lives in it, lives under the rules of the angry house. And to me, yes, let's use anger let's use um let's use fear to understand that our boundaries are being broken our values are being um um uh, uh, stomped on we're being our chest is being pulled into and we're saying dude it's not happening anymore this is my boundary but also at the same time being like it's also not your fault man it's not your fault <laughs> but i'm not i'm not also going to let that happen again you know so it's 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 a certain amount of agency and power that I think that comes with joy that you don't have from happiness. Happiness, you're at the mercy of others. Joy, I think that's something that you can come to on your own. Man, that is uh, such great stuff. Uh, you should be charging me for this. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> um, so I'm gonna, I'm gonna bring it home here 
Um, so here's the question that I'm going to do my best to ask. It's only two thirds formed. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, we'll just, we'll go with it. The spirit will lead. Yeah. <laughs> as I've thought about bringing you onto the podcast and as I've listened to you talk, there's a specific scenario or a specific life phase, even specific people that have come to my mind that I think really need to hear your words. Um, and these are people that may be approaching or are already at a crossroads in their life. They're in a relationship that has been long-term, but there's this voice in their mind that is causing them to ask if this is really the person they want to commit their life to. They're in a, a career path that they've been in for a while and it's good enough, but there's something unsettled within and they know that if they explore it, it might cause some short-term loss. Or they are thinking about expanding their families, growing their families, and they're just honestly not sure if they want children or if they can be good parents. You know, in some way, shape, or form, they're at a crossroads, right? And they're, they're not yet sure if they want to really fully embrace the crossroads. The third point, or the third principle of radical self-awareness is it requires curiosity. And so as you think about uh, how curiosity has played out in your own life, as you think about how joy maybe has helped you navigate some of these crossroads, I'm wondering what wisdom you'd be willing to share, if any, with those that are standing at this crossroad. And even if you don't feel like it's wisdom, what has helped you kind of step into and ultimately navigate your way through um, those crossroads? So that is actually, believe it or not, only part one of the question. <laughs> <laughs> Part two is much shorter. Than grad school, seriously. <laughs> right, I know. Uh, part two, um, it, when you spoke a few minutes ago, you mentioned a point in your life where you recognized you were not ready. Um, yeah. And that, that stuck with me. And so there may be someone listening that, for whatever reason, feels like they're there and they're not ready for whatever this is. Can you just speak to what they might be feeling and, and what to do with that feeling of, of not being ready? Yeah, I... I think that um, I think curiosity, and this is an I statement. Um, from my perspective, curiosity is something that I've rediscovered with um, my son Zach. Right, like the there's a way that he approaches life from the standpoint of he doesn't need to be right. Um, he doesn't need proof. But there are things in the in everyday life that bring this kid awe. And you can tell that the approach is one of curiosity versus one of um, ego being right, making yourself look good. Um, he is getting to this stage now where he's getting kind of self-conscious. And he's like, everything that he's taught me, like now all of a sudden, like in public, he's like, dad, like, don't talk in karate class, man. You embarrass me, dude. And I'm like, Wow, because you were the kid that told me, like, you're the kid who taught me, like, how to be curious and just everything is fun. And so I feel like the little wink, wink and nod, nod that I have with that sort of joyful, jolly boy that came out of me um, comes from um, comes from Zach. Right. And so I can teach a lot of things about um, uh, the feeling of of you settling right now. Or, or feeling like you're striving, right? That's pull it, putting in too much effort um, without getting um, pleasure in return. Um, so I can talk about that, but when you talk about where does curiosity 
where did it come from for me? So there was this moment in which uh, there's, if I can go back to the, one of the earliest moments, uh, growing up in Florida and when my mom was est establishing her business, she would walk me to preschool. And I remember the first time it ever frosted in Florida. And I stopped and I looked at, at the leaf and saw that the water was, wasn't moving. It was like a little spike. And my mom stopped and she like talked with me about it. And that was the last time I felt curious before Zach was born. And so once I saw that happening with my son, it was very easy to connect back to that moment in which I was looking at a leaf and in complete awe of it. I was, in, I was looking at something in nature that I would walk by for multiple years in Atlanta on my, 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 my way to my office to be right. To, to prove empirical evidence on the state of the world, to be the best positive psychologist in the world and not notice those little changes that were completely awe-inspiring. My, my kid brought that back. And so I have to just give a story rather than give empirical evidence. Um, you want the empirical evidence, go to thejoyrevolution.org and get the first class for free. That's how you plug, son. <laughs> <laughs> well done, Sensei. Related to storytelling. No, I'm I'm just kidding about that again. But wow, this idea of being there and not ready. I don't know if I've interacted with a human that hasn't felt that. Um, the idea of you know that you're standing at the edge of one cliff looking at the edge of another cliff, knowing that you're gonna be fine and still feeling like you have to take this massive leap. There's always this feeling of play it safe, Cordon, because it's always that, that kid who didn't wanna be picked on showing up. And I know that my current self is outgrowing that kid. And so the kid is saying to me, please don't move forward, you're gonna be picked on again. And I know that, that, that it's time to move forward. That's one of the biggest indicators to me about when it's time, is when it doesn't feel like it's time. Also at the same time, I don't think that I have been in a, in a place much of my life where I've been comfortable with asking for help. Um, you know, it's, I, I don't know if it's... Uh, a masculinity thing. I don't know if it's a Filipino thing where we don't talk about things, Catholic thing. It could be a trifecta of that. But it's really easy to go out and be like, hey, can you teach me a couple things about what you've learned before you leave? And so feeling there and not there, I feel is a really great place to be because it gives you the opportunity to approach someone you never would have talked to before and say, I've got this challenge, I need this support, and I'm ready for change. You don't have to be ready to deliver. Um, like, you know, for example, I, the song was in my head about what I'd be singing today when I was in my, my 20s and 30s. I just hadn't practiced the guitar enough or practiced the chords enough to know how to do it yet.
And so the act of just putting yourself out there is the beginning of the readiness, the readiness. The act is the readiness, even though it will feel uncomfortable. You have to, you have to distance the difference between being in discomfort and being um, not ready. And so not ready is just like, I remember a lot of people telling me I wasn't ready. You're not ready to be the vice president of this. You're not ready to be this. You're not ready to be that. But I also remember um, what it was like to feel scared to go after it. And so there's a difference between the two. Just because you're scared doesn't mean you're not ready. And so to parcel out the two, and sometimes we need someone who has an objective viewpoint of the fact that we as an electron are currently disappearing into the darkness and say, guess what? You're gonna disappear and you're gonna show up on the other side. That's how you get from one side of the cliff to another. It's not by what we've learned, but quantum physics, dog. <laughs> the electron just shows up. And in the smallest particles, even nature shows us empirical evidence that faithing will get you to the other side. You know, and so I, I don't, again, I don't truly know the answer. And, and I struggle with the fact that I don't feel ready to answer that myself. But I was the one who brought it up and said I wasn't ready a couple years ago. And so I think this is like a nice, like face your fears game that you put out there for me. And, and I think it's, it does have to do with both self and others. We're, we're not living by ourselves. We get to interact with people on a daily basis who can help us get to the other side versus willing it the whole time. Yeah, absolutely. And, and unintentionally, um, you pointed out the second principle of radical self-awareness. That was intentionally. Oh, okay. Okay. <laughs> You know, but it's that you can't do it alone, right? It, mm. This process requires assistance. It requires support. It requires the courage to put yourself out there and be willing to walk with other people. Um, and, and so I just love that you just fluidly tied that in there because that's, that's so important. And it's something I'm, I'm struggling with right now, right? Um, I feel like the spirit is challenging me to step past my own reliance and just myself, right? And get to the point where um, I, I am stepping into a place that I can't quite see the path to, right? I, I don't exactly know where I'm going to end up, but I, I have to trust that I will get where I need to go, right? Um, and this is the other thing I wanted to add. You know, as the electron jumps, we don't know yet. At least I don't know enough about quantum physics to know if we know or not. But I don't think we know that the electron knows exactly where it's jumping to, right? And so I think it's, it's really the cool. The people right. on the other side knows where it is, but they don't know when it's here. Yeah, right. yeah. And so like, if we're thinking about people that are at a crossroads, right, and you're, you, you're looking to jump off this cliff, and you know there's another ledge that you're going to jump onto, you don't have to know where you will reappear. You don't have to know what this next path will be like. I believe that you know, if you're someone that believes that the spirit or God has plans for you, I believe that there are a multiplicity of plans and possible paths, right? Um, and that the spirit is willing, like our GPS, is willing to work with us whether or not we make a left or a right turn, right? There are multiple ways to get somewhere. Um, and, and so I just want to kind of put that out there for people that are, that are worrying that they're going to make the right or the wrong decision. 
if you're following this process of radical self-awareness, right, and exploring your own invisible truths, I believe you will get where you need to be when you need to be there. Um, it may have a thousand different possibilities for how you can get there and when you can get there, but that's not quite as important as we make it out to be. I, I completely agree. Um, it's, it's much more choose your own adventure. People who seemingly made these, these quantum leaps have made it knowing where they were going to kind of end up. There was clarity in what it was that where they were going. The rest of it was trust, complete trust. And so like, once you, once you know that there's a wall in front of you and what, you know what's on the other side, it doesn't matter if you climb above it, run through it, dig under it. There is no right or wrong. The only, the only wrong is, is, if you look at, is if you look at the wall and think that there's no possible way to get to the other side and you just plop down and choose to stay there where you are. And unfortunately, like we can go into another complete class right now, but like things like the media like makes us feel like these walls are so real that we shouldn't even try. Right. And it's not just the media, it's, it's other indoctrinating structures. And so the, the freedom of that comes from, um, you know, I, I have a client who, who talks about this all the time. The obstacle is the way. The obstacle is the way. And then on the other side, if you just know what's on the other side, you can vision that you can close your eyes and you can see it, you can taste it, you can smell it. It's done. Game over. Next level. Because the river will carry you there. Yes. Yes. The river will carry you. Beautiful, beautiful metaphor. Um, and for those that didn't catch it, I do just want to point out that Mark Coron did just um, support undocumented immigration into the United States. Uh, I, I don't know if y'all missed that, but he definitely just went there. So <laughs> totally, totally thought I would name that. <laughs> Mark Cordon supports that. So I, I support it. Absolutely. Beautiful. Beautiful. <laughs> what other political stances have you picked up? <laughs> <laughs> There'll be more to come in the editing. That'll come, you know, <laughs> later. I know there's fucking background music <laughs> playing right now in the edit. And I'm oh, yeah. laughing butt off right now yeah. oh yeah uh, well my man thank you so much for joining us today and just dropping um truth bomb after truth bomb even in uh the vulnerability of just saying i don't know i think there's a freedom and a power in that and i have felt a, a kindred spirit in this conversation and so just for my own personal sake i appreciate you being vulnerable um and i know that if i've been blessed um and inspired listeners will be as well so so just thank you for that man yeah I, I mean, it's 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 pretty awesome what you're doing, man. It's unfortunate that our programs have to compete with each other. <laughs> I don't have to. <laughs> Thejoyrevolution.org. <laughs> <laughs> and there it is. Full circle. Full circle. Thank you for listening to part two of my interview with Mark Cordon. If you'd like more information about Mark and the great work that he does, go to www.markcordon.com. There you'll find links to the class he co-teaches with Melanie Klein called The Joy Revolution, as well as links to his podcast, Golden Mike Live. And you, If you haven't listened to it or subscribed yet, I highly encourage it. There's some good stuff, and Mark will introduce you to some amazing people. 
And if you appreciated anything you heard today, please take 30 seconds to leave a rating, leave a review, and subscribe to the podcast. That will ensure that others have an easier time finding it and gleaning from the wisdom that you have had a chance to hear today. Thank you for listening to Episode 6 of Invisible Truths. Until next week, I'm Ben Tapper.